Hello and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. This week we will be discussing Star Trek Strange New Worlds Hegemony, the finale of season two. My name is Ethan. My name is Kevin. I am a host. And I'm also a host. Sorry, I fit it in, in between there. I apologize. You did a Shatner pause and I thought I could uh, slip my name in there. I Shatner pauses. That was completely unintentional. So here we are, the thrilling finale. The thrilling finale, Hegemony, written by series co-creator Henry Alonzo Meyer and directed by uh, Maha. Help me out here. The person's name is M-A-J-A. Would that be probably Maha? Maha? Maja? I think Maha or Maya, probably. But apologies to... I apologize for butchering. So well, yeah. the last names have been equally confusing. So I'm just going to, so if I butcher this person's name, I'm not going to assume they're listening, but who knows? Maha Vrillo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, has um, a lot of Trek credits to their name. Directed the short Trek Runaway, directed two episodes of Discovery, Perpetual Infinity, Die Trying. Perpetual Infinity is that episode where you were singing virtual you were singing to the tune of virtual insanity i remember that and when we recorded uh, that um the impossible box and broken pieces of picard and in addition to this episode of strange new worlds also directed the second episode of the show children of the comet and beyond that has directed episodes of csi person of interest elementary prison break doubt Gotham, Titans, and some episodes of oh. Hawaii Five O. Really enjoyed Gotham. Is that still on? No, no, that's been off for a while right now. Right now right? Well, cool. So they've got some really good genre credits, yeah, and that's been the well, that's been the case with all of these directors. I think a lot of genre credits, not a lot of. As you like to point out, not a lot of Vampire Diaries veterans on this from attached to the show, I don't think. Thank heavens. <laughs> For some reason, I was reading about the actor, the Kirk actor's love life. I just, I don't know, it just happened. And mm-hmm. apparently he was, uh, his partner was from Vampire Diaries also. Oh, boy. Oh, I think I remember and you then, telling me this. I think you told me this before. And then he broke yeah. up and she moved to New York and became a director. So I don't know. It sounds like it was a tough breakup. I have never watched Vampire Diaries. And is that a... Well, okay, because I was going to ask you. I was wondering, like, is that is that like a like a CW coming-of-age kind of show? Is that what that's about? I think it's not like Riverdale where they're teenagers. I think it's mm-hmm. like people in their 20s. But I do think it's sort of a vampire soap opera. So is that why... I mean, could that potentially explain why Discovery is so melodramatic? I'm just wondering if that's the people who write for that show. Is that what they're used to writing? You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. Just a th- yeah, it does have that kind of soap opera. Just a thought. Well, hegemony. So this revisits a thread that was a seed, let's say, that was planted in the first episode of the season, in the last scene of the episode where Commodore April is having a discussion with another Commodore or Admiral or Fleet Captain or whoever, fearful that there's going to be a war with the Gorn. 
and they didn't really yeah. touch upon it at all this season. Yeah. Definitely not no. in subspace. Did we see a map? I think we may have seen a map once. There's a map at the very end, yeah. Oh, and yeah, I think it was, well, isn't that, it was in that episode, right? I think it was in, or are you talking an additional? I thought maybe it was last season. Yeah, we saw a map showing that they were sort of encroaching on Federation yeah. space. So, and I don't, I don't recall if in any other episodes it was even maybe even mentioned in dialogue. I don't think so because we've only seen, my, my assumption was always if we're going to get an update on this, it's going to come from Commodore April. And aside from the first episode, we only saw him in Ad Aspera. So, yeah, we don't really, and because I, I think most of it was coming from him. I don't even think the crew really knew about any of this taking place. So, and as you re- may recall, I thought that based on episode titles, Under the Cloak of War was going to be revisiting this thread, but obviously it did not. I know I mentioned that in the past, but um, we got a fairly exciting season finale. I think, you know, relatively suspenseful. It was exciting. Mix of action, you know, tension, all that stuff. I still, but I think stakes, but I still have to tell you that I don't find yet the Gorn that interesting. I think as you once referred to them as, it seems like they are like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park, only they can fly spaceships. Yes, which is, leads us to wonder. Yeah. Why? There's something inherently silly about them. There is. There is, you know, for the Klingons, though they're somewhat we might call them like like barbarians, right? Mm-hmm. They're also like they have a code and they have these principles yep. and whatnot. For them, it really does seem like the Velociraptors, but they fly around to find more people to eat and put eggs in. Now, maybe this is just my own um, human bias or humanoid bias, and maybe I just need um, to understand them more. Well. To me, it feels a little bit like it kind of reminds me of those early episodes with the Borg, but yet somehow less interesting. I mean, they definitely feel like a force, like the Borg does, yeah. the sort of like mindless force. But you got to think that's what they're going for. Four letters, two, three are the same. Um, but you got to remember that in Arena, the Gorn speaks. So I mean, there. I mean, there's clearly an intelligence there. I mean, I mean, obviously there is because they fly spaceships, but there is an intelligence there with them, and yes. so it's. I don't know. It's like when are we? They haven't spoken on the show yet, and I'm thinking to myself, when are we going to have one that does? Like, are we or is it just is it just going to be like, you know, Jurassic Park or Alien? Every time we encounter one of them on another yes. ship or a planet, like it, that that aspect of it, I feel like is getting a little old. Yes, it makes it very hard for me to reconcile this Gorn with the Arena Gorn. It does. Right. Yeah. And it's sort of... Although, I did notice something interesting. Um, Maybe significant. Pike at a point, you know, because they're all, like, convinced. These are just mindless devourers. But then at a point, Pike says, maybe it's possible that we can reach them. Yeah. So I wonder if he's thinking like Kirk here. Yeah, they, I mean... They can be reasoned with. Maybe he's the first one to think, oh, maybe we're looking at this all wrong. Maybe there is some way to reason with him. Hmm. I don't know. He was only one line, but it was interesting. You think they're uh, setting up Arena? 
I think they're at least setting up that maybe what happens. Maybe Pike will will decide that just you know killing each other is not the best way to handle this. Right. It would be very Star Trek. It sort of it reminds me. I I think I was in a conversation. So on Reddit, I do like the Star Trek Reddit a lot. A lot of toxicity on there, but there is some. There are some good posts. And somebody was asking about the Borg. They're just getting into Trek, and they're asking about the Borg. And they were getting on about like why is the Borg Queen suddenly important? What like what? And so I had to explain. I said, you know, up until first contact, the Borg were always a sort of like overwhelming force. But they said, I said the Queen was created specifically for first contact, meaning that they needed to have a villain with a face that they could actually communicate to and speak to. Otherwise, it's just boring to go up against what are essentially zombies for two hours, right? I think and- that would have been cool if. They had talked to the Borg and they all responded as if they were one character. That would have been cool. But Right. I mean, they did that on the show. Like, you know, you saw that on when they were on Borg Vessel, they would do that. But And I kind of feel the same way with the Gorn here. Like, I, I kind of want there to be that single Gorn voice that they do communicate with at some time, at some point. Because we've had... The Gorn have been featured on the show a few times, not a ton. And I'm already kind of bored with just the way they've been utilized. I want there to be some sort of back and forth communication with them or something. Like I want to sort of, I I want to understand in some weird way. Like the Borg was obvious. I mean, they just want to assimilate. Yes, and the Borg, it was interesting. It was sort of interesting. They were, and they seemed, they were like pretty much undefeatable, right? Yeah, they were cool looking. And even just the way that they, what they were doing was novel. Right. It was not, we're just, just, we want to eat you or we want to put eggs in you. It's not that new or interesting. The board were new and interesting. And and what they do with this, it kind of harkens back to like Alien and even, I would even say Jaws, like sort of less of Jurassic Park where like, even though we do see them, they sort of don't, you maybe see them in the background out of focus or like you'll just see them from like a certain point. You don't get, you don't really get to see the full or like they'll come by really quick, You'll, and we've only seen the little ones. We've not, and you know, yeah. so far we saw the big guy in the suit, in mm-hmm. the spacesuit. But even then, it wasn't really a good representation because he was in a spacesuit. Yes, yes, and I think that's intentional, also. Right. The fact that we're seeing the the babies and we're still this afraid of the babies. It's like, oh no, what's going to happen when it's a full on army assault of adults? I I have, but I have a theory about why we saw it in the spacesuit, irrespective of the fact that we're in a zero G environment i kind of feel like they don't want to show a full body going because it'll look so different than it does in the original series i think they want to sort of maintain that kind of like you know okay it sort of looks like it but we're not going to really go full-on like redesign right a baby gorn is fine because we had never seen one before so they could just basically make it anything they want but a full-bodied gorn outside of a spacesuit like we saw in this one i feel like they don't know I don't know that they really want to go there yet, but I could be, I could be wrong with that. We, we don't really get a good look at the face either. I hope they do. They have a good track record of taking original designs and just tweaking them slightly so right. they kind of fit. Well, they also, but don't forget. I mean, they took the Gorn on Enterprise in the Mirror Universe, and it was they it retained the same, relatively the same look as the original series. Only it was a full, fully CGI'd rendition of it. So clearly, they're able to do that and kind of maintain the look of it right um 
I mean, they they took it a little bit further because of, they didn't want to, you know, sort of evoke the fact that it was some guy wearing a rubber suit. But it still looked, he still looked the same. And so I thought to myself, you know, you can still do that. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it looked, looked very good, actually. Yeah. And you could, you could use essentially that kind of design, just update it a little bit. And that's still some relatively early CGI television work, right? I mean, that's when... Especially for television, yeah. Yeah, well, because also... I, I may be wrong about this. I think that's we're getting into like early motion capture as well. So like doing it that way at that time. The the only time Trek had really done it prior to this was Species 8472 on Voyager, a fully CGI'd character. So Trek wasn't didn't do much of that yet, probably due to the expense of it. You know, now no problem. But back then. But as Strange Worlds has demonstrated, you know, they can certainly redesign stuff so long as it evokes the look of the original enough to remind you of it. Yeah. And I do think that the one in the spacesuit looked pretty different. I mean, it looked like he was very mm, kind of like spindly. Right. Very thin. And let's be and let's be honest. They could also get behind that, get around that by saying, well, there are like five different versions of the Gorn that are, you know, yeah. that, you know, that look yeah. I yeah. don't know. Like the, <laughs> right. like the Klingons. Like the Klingons. Yeah. But I wonder, I mean, is this going to be a central villain they're going to revisit a lot next season? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, they, I, I don't so see how they could. Yeah. Because here's the thing. If this becomes a full-fledged war, then the arena doesn't make any sense. Because there's no You're way right. Kirk wouldn't know that the Federation was at war with the people called the Gorn right. while he was serving. And going back and forth between his ship and the Enterprise. And I had to I had to I had to end a dispute on the Trek BBS because they were treating it like well Kirk should know who the Gorn is by the time, you know, Arena comes around. And while it's not explicitly stated, that whole episode treats it like a first contact situation. Kirk says, like he says in his log entry. I'm face. He, he says something like, I'm facing a creature. He definitely says this word. I'm facing up against a creature apparently called a Gorn. Mm. Now, I mean, obviously that means, at least my interpretation of that means, by saying apparently, like that means he doesn't even know who the hell they are. Yeah. yeah. Or, here's a real, real like deep way to do it or it looks so different from the gorn these gorn that he's like well apparently this is a gorn but it doesn't look like a gorn to me yeah that could be yeah i could see that too yeah (laughs) did the in that episode did the metrons like alter the appearance of the gorn to make it look confusing so they don't really look like some dude in a rubber suit right or maybe we're seeing a half human half gorn maybe that's batel's son i think i like that i think i like I know what you say may may seem a little ridiculous, but I kind of, I kind of like that. Like, because it reminds me of this may seem unrelated, but it reminds me of the cage when when they took Vina when the when the Telosians took Vina and they tried to fix her. They they didn't know how to do it because they didn't know what a human looked like. So oh, she yeah. looked all. So it's like maybe the Metrons didn't really quite know what a Gorn looked like, or something, or like you know, I don't know. Even though the Gorn is being, they're chasing the Gorns, chasing them. The Enterprise is chasing the Gorn, so the Gorn are present. But um, yeah, I think there could be cute ways around it. But at the same time, 
it's like I don't really I don't really care on one level. I I'm more interested in seeing like how would they deal with this if they decided to really kind of retcon the design. It's not that I like don't want them to do it. I would be curious to see like if they do retcon it, how different is it going to be and what are the ramifications there. But I wouldn't be one of those fans to be like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, I just want to say like, oh, it'd be fun to see how they handle it. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, okay, many times. We do trust that they're gonna handle things pretty well. So I'm not concerned it'll as be I, stupid. As I always say, I mean, they the people on the show who make the show, they have enough goodwill for me to just you know, I'll allow them some things if that if that, if that makes sense. Totally. They've not we, I think we allow a big one later, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. I have to say one thing. In watching this episode, at the first conversation, I think I, I don't know what show it is that I first started to notice this. It might have been Game of Thrones or something. But whenever two characters have a conversation that's light and very pleasant and very like, oh, look how great they get along. Something terrible always happens right after. It's almost like a truism in writing in shows. Mm. And so when I heard... Pike and Battelle's conversation when she was in the old West town or the Midwest town, which I think is a great Trek trope, right? You yes. use whatever sets are laying around. I yes. was very happy about that. I thought about um, you when I saw that. <laughs> love it. Yeah. And so my first thought was, this is before the attack even started. I swear my first thought was, oh, Battelle's going to die on this planet or she's mm. going to die in this. Um, now that did not happen, but right after their conversation, mid conversation, is when the threat emerges. Right. And this led me to a question that I thought about. I thought, does Battelle have to die for Pike's story to play out the way it does, as we know it does in the future? Because mm. he goes to a planet with um, another lady. Right. So does well, she have to die? Well, are you talking in the cage? Yes. Well, that's already happened. The cage already took place. Am I mixing? Am I? Do, am, are, you, are you thinking the cage hasn't happened yet? I'm thinking that. Well, he's not in the box yet. Right. Yeah, he's not in the box yet. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, he's so, not in the box yet. Right. So. So I'm sorry. Make this point again. I don't know that I'm. I don't know that I'm following. So do you think that in, in order for Pike's story to play out like it does, he gets in the box, he chooses a life of illusion. Yep. Yep. Um. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Because that had that. Yes, because that's what we see on the menagerie. They they bring him to the there on the in the menagerie. Yes, yes that yeah. part. Yeah. Um. Does she have to die in order for that to happen? Or story-wise, does it make sense that she would die in order for him to choose that? Because then he will have nothing left at all. I don't know. I don't know. Like you, you, you raise. It's making me think of something though. Um, like because Vina is that woman on the planet that he ends up staying with, albeit that's the one I was talking about earlier. Like when she was yes. disfigured, right? Um, I never really thought about this, but I mean, Vina has not exactly been a presence on this show right pike hasn't even mentioned her by name there's not been an episode in this series where he's thought about her we did see them meet again in discovery so it's like she's i i don't sense her presence on this show 
And so no, he's in a relationship that's, you know, right. working to make a good, long lasting relationship. Right. Cause I'm thinking of my, like, when you say that, I'm thinking to myself, like, is it like a, I don't know why my mind's going to like some kind of like love triangle between Pike, Vina, or, you know, Battelle. But I could just more see him giving up, mm. like losing Battelle and then thinking, Set, settling for Vina, I guess. Like, oh, well. Or more, you know, I had this relationship with her. I know my box with the light days are coming. There's no point in me trying to, um, yeah. You know, what's he going to do? Like, if the box is eight months away, he's going to start dating someone? No. Right. Well, I think it's about eight years away, but. Well, I'm saying, let's say. I know eight. what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, he seems I, like a good guy. I don't think we'd want to do that to someone. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I think. I have to believe that maybe if he got into a relationship I mean, well, he is in a relationship with her. I wonder if he would tell her at some point. This is what he did tell her. Did he? I think he did because I think she said like you can't rely on some. I think she she kind of poo pooed it like yeah, well maybe that won't happen. Well, that was number one who said that. That could be. That was number one. Yeah. Okay, so he hasn't told her. Oh God. I don't know that he has. I'm not sure about that. Well, that's tough. I don't know that I don't know that he's told her. Because he hasn't really this season has not he's not spent a lot of time thinking about that this season. I mean, I think it's come up once or twice, but not to the level of last season. It kind of felt like in Equality of Mercy, last season's finale, that thread kind of ran its course. Like he sort of settled on acceptance that it's going to happen. He saw like what will happen if he doesn't do it. You know, that was that whole episode to give him the perspective he needs to see how things will go if he doesn't, if that doesn't happen to him. He seems, I think it's, he seems less bothered by it now and more accepting. More, he's oh. not scared anymore. I don't, but I don't know that he's, I can't think of a scene where he's mentioned it to Patel. Oh, you know what? I just looked it up. Were you just not. looking it up? He has not told her? Yeah. He has not told her. Right. So I would assume, I would assume, I would assume that he would at some point. Yes. And also because a lot of the problems in their relationship, she said, is his inability to communicate. Right. And he's not, he he won't even tell her when he thinks their vacation, her vacation idea is not good. Well, I think. So if he pulls this on her now, and and I could see that ending the relationship with her saying, you've known this the whole time and you've never told me. And you and I have kind of joked about it where we've wondered does she does she leave him when it happens because she's like i don't want to take care of him i don't want to do this right <laughs> ends up leaving which would or be a really shitty him? thing to do yeah does she leave him when he tells her because she feels betrayed or something well okay but let's also consider this she's not Battelle's not dead yet she could still die right so he may not get a chance to tell her. He may not have to. He may. We may. Not, this may not even be a thing at all. So, sure. but let me ask you this: If she does die, what then? Like, what do you think? Does it change him at all? Does it? Oh, I gotta believe it will change him a lot. Knowing him, 
and also well, knowing a, like how much it's how so, much he has put how much he's gone out of his comfort zone in this relationship and how strongly he feels given what happened on the when they were um lost their memory and she was the one who brought him back it's a silly thing for me to ask because obviously it would change change him. I, I guess maybe I should rephrase the question and say, what about it? How does he change as a result of of that? Right, which I think you kind of just answered already anyway. But uh, well, I can see him maybe being more closed off, or like he's kind of like you know the people he's close to, like that's it. He's not letting anybody else in. Right. You know, Una's is kind of closest confidant, followed by probably Spock. Mm. And then La'an, and Uhura is more like younger, so she's more like a, you know, protege or something. Yeah. But I could see him not being a little, yeah, closed off. So I like that you mentioned, just really quickly, the um, the town, which is modeled after, what do they say, Midwestern town? And I thought to myself, you know what, I appreciate you mentioning that, but you didn't even have to do that because we just... I know. Well, for the We're back in the Andy Griffith <laughs> show set back lot. It's fine. You know, I get it. You don't even have to. Is it really? No. Well, that's what they did on the old shows. Like when they were, whenever yeah. they were on like a, um, a back lot. I think there was one episode. I forget which one it was, where they were actually using the back lot set of the Andy Griffith show. Love that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I appreciate the fact that the show wanted to tell us, but I thought like, you didn't, you don't have to do that show. It's okay. It's totally fine with me. But, um, Nurse Chapel is aboard the uh, is now under um, her command, serving on that ship, and right that was just a one time mm. thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Kyoga, the Kyoga. Yeah, but I gotta say, like, I what I what I the Kyoga, which was ended up being destroyed. Um, I liked the way. Here's the thing. Once again, the show demonstrates that even though it has the ability to sort of like do an entire scene or maybe even an entire episode where like, okay, if this had been, sorry to do this, discovery. if this had been Discovery, it would have been a big, huge shoot em out battle. There would have been a massive Gorn fleet coming in and somehow Discovery is able to take the brunt of all of it and it would have been, you yes. know, 65 minutes of nothing but this. I like that the show manages to bring in one Gorn ship. They put, they, they carve out the territory across the planet and it's just one ship and they're trying to figure out a way to sort of get around it and sneak in, right? The sort of strategizing, it's very covert. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I like that they, you know, they certainly have the ability to do more with that and make it more of a spectacle but they don't. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of this tension comes in. The way they snuck the shuttle in, the way they got down to the planet. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, okay, well, but what happens when you get down there? Like, you don't even know what you're going to, you don't even know what you're going to find when you get down there. Yes. And, and I, I kind of like Pike's attitude, which is very Kirkish, where it's just like one problem at a time. Right. Right. And he said, once you, once you get the shuttle, then what do you do? You can't, or you can't fit us all in the shuttle. And he said, one problem at a time. And, 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 we'll and me as the audience member, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the same thing. They're finally all in the shuttle and I'm, and I'm, and I'm scared for them, fear, fearing what's, what are they going to find when they get down there? Because they have, they don't even know. Like, I can't tell you, like, I've, it's rare watching Trek that I get nervous for a landing party when they go down to a planet. 
but I was actually right. kind of nervous because I was like, what yeah. yeah, right. We didn't, I, I did think that there was a real chance that Patel would already be dead. Right. Which is, it's very rare that you actually think a character that is shows up as much as Patel could actually die. Right. In your show. Right. And so we get down there and then the entire place is obviously, it's mostly still standing. But everybody's and I just it was really I just liked what they were doing a lot when they finally got down to this planet and it was very tense. It was very unnerving to watch. And mm. I again, I was just I was very nervous for, for the characters and that's not something I know it sounds weird for me to say that. But that's not something it's like, OK, I know Captain Pike cannot die in this episode. I know that Nurse Chapel cannot be dead in this episode. Right. And yet, for some reason, I was still fearing that that could happen. Yes, yes. I was able to sort of let go of what their future histories were and just focusing on the moment and fearing that maybe they may not come out of this alive. Forgetting, albeit mm -hmm. for only a few minutes, that, well, of course they're going to come out of this alive. They're alive. Right. Patel doesn't have to. What? Patel's the one that could die. Right. Patel's the In one who could die. But like, because don't forget, Chapel, her right. status was unknown for most of the episode, right? So, yeah. yeah. We knew she didn't die, but... We knew she didn't die, but like I said, I felt like I was still nervous about it anyway. Right, right. So I think it's really interesting that you've got these parallel stories because you have Pike on the planet mm -hmm. trying to save Patel, and you have Spock in orbit trying to save Chapel. right. Because you know that's really why he's going to that ship. He, right. Of course, he's gonna he's gonna lay the rockets, but he he goes because he knows it's a chance to save her. Now, one thing I do think, and if we're gonna say discovery, I think they kind of discovered this one, which he said, "I'm the only one who can lay the rockets on the ship," and nobody asked why. They never right. told us why he was the only one that could do it. Right. I'm right. sure there was a good reason, but I would have liked to know what that reason was. Well. And their whole strategy was, because I guess what they wanted to do is they wanted to put these, attach these rockets to the the wreck of her vessel. What's it called again? The Cuyahoga? The Cuyahoga. The Cuyahoga. Sure, I thought it was the Cuyahoga also, but it's just the Cuyahoga. And the, because the Gorn have a, a transmitter down below that's preventing scans, communications, all of the things that a starship can do to get information. It's preventing all of that from... It's almost like, in a way, it's almost like an EMP field in some ways. So they have to somehow force the hulk of the ship to crash and into this thing and destroy it. Yeah, soft. Right. And, and I'm thinking to myself, and here's the thing, right? And this show, this is like, this has happened multiple times in the show. As they're, as they're talking this out, I'm saying to myself, well, but there's a Gorn ship. Surely they're going to see this thing hurtling toward the, this and stop it somehow. And yes. I don't remember what, so, and forgive me, I don't recall what the actual, the point is, like, somebody did actually, after I questioned that, somebody sort of brought that point up. And they said, well, no, it's because they, because I think it was yeah, something like. They, yeah, and it's brilliant because what happened is Ortegas already used this of space junk to get to the planet. Very Han Solo right, style. Right, Or Boba Fett style. They both do it. Um, and so they say, well, we already, I think it's Uhura says, we already know that they don't react to debris. Right. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, that's all we ever need is one line. Just make it make sense. That's why one line could say, you know, I'm the only one who can lay the rock. It's like, you're right. You're, you're, 
Vulcan strength allows you. And don't to they whatever. say like by the time they realize what happened, it would already be too late or something like that? Like they sort of they take it one extra step, I think. And so again, yes. as I was asking those questions in my head, the show was like answering them for me. I'm like, okay, good. At least that tells yeah. me, like, as a writer, like you guys thought all of that through. You know, like what the viewers may ask when you sort of go through with the situation. So exactly. as we said before, like the other shows, the other show might may not do that. Cause and but to your point, it's like you just need that one or two extra sentences that just sort of like makes it airtight. Yes, yes. And and yeah, just have it make sense within its world. Obviously it's fantastical, but have it make sense. But it has now, to I want to make a point on what you said earlier. I like that you were talking about the action. And I didn't really think of it this way, but really what the show does so well is in some other shows, the, the action drives the episode. Right. And here more the action serves the character. It doesn't drive the episode. Right. So well, that, that saucer section crashing into the Gorn array, that whole sequence is not about the saucer section crashing into the Gorn array. It's about Spock and Chapel. And that moment where they hold hands Right. As it's going down and they come out of it. I mean, that was the moment. That was what it was all for. It wasn't for the big explosion. It was for that right. moment. Right. That's why this show is great. Right. Yeah. And once again, you know, it's it's like on the original series, right? They they sort of treat the show as if they have a limited budget like the original series did, right? Where like they're just going to make use of what they have and they're not going to, you know, they, they've got like 15 bucks and they're going to do the best they can with it. This show could absolutely give us more of that, but they, they, there's a conscious effort to not do that. Cause I think they recognize that we could make this bigger. There could be a lot of spectacle over the top, but it would just end up feeling very hollow. There'd be no reason yeah. for it other than yes. just, Oh, look, that looks great in the trailers for the show when we get people to watch it, but there's no, yes. sub there's no substance to it. Yeah, they know that that would take away from the point of the show. So you have the, the, the orbital stuff is for Spock and Chapel, and then the planet stuff is for Battelle and Pike. Right. Really. And, and that's what attention is. Attention is not, as you said, attention is not that the Gorn's going to kill them. Attention is, is Pike going to find Battelle? Exactly me, like, right. Exactly right. I mean, I, I mean, certainly I was nervous about the Gorn being there. But and how are they going to show up? Because, you know, now we're not we're not just on like a crashed ship and they're just hiding around all these corners like we're on a planet that they're like beginning to sort of breed on. So we're sort of like going into. In some ways, like we're going into the belly of the of the beast, like they're going to be everywhere. And I'm assuming like there's not really going to be any safe. We're in Goran territory now. Right. So like I'm thinking to myself, there's not going to really be a safe haven down there. Like, what are they going to find? And again, it felt it was kind of like, oh, we're in the middle of Jurassic Park and all the electric fences are down. Now they're all sort of roaming free. I mean, yeah, that, so it reminds me of that scene when they're in like the, the lab or whatever and right. the raptors in there. Yes. Right, right. Because it was sort of a normal location, but you've got these creatures in it. And here they're in a diner. But in, And I did like the moment when Battelle stands in front of them because, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And it also it set up a big reveal later right right but it was like it's not like they went down to the planet and there were like dead bodies strewn all over the place right like the place was like empty yeah I, I just, saw some blood which was just so 
and and we we had sort of seen that i think in episodes last season when we had there were like two additional episodes where we found where we encountered the gorn in in a similar fashion and you'd see like these massive like you know blood stains on the ground and like there was clearly signs of like some really horrible thing that happened here and and to your point like it's not clear to me like are the gorn shooting them are the gorn eating them like how are they actually like what is actually going on yeah yeah, are they just eating the men and putting eggs in the women? Right. Why did they only put eggs in seemingly in Battelle? Yeah. So, but once they get down there, I mean, obviously, you know, they're taking refuge. And then they finally come upon the crew. And we learn that Battelle is actually alive, which was good. Um, but this was still relatively early on in the episode. And I was saying to myself, there's still plenty of time for you to die in this episode. Yes. You know, I, the thing is when they went down to the planet, I wasn't, ex I kind of was not expecting Pike to find her dead. I felt like she deserves a lot more than that to just some sort of off screen death. That's true. That's true. So yeah, but, but talk about just, I just want to praise the building of Battelle as a character and Pike's relationship with Battelle. Totally. Because totally. she's such a, you know, and all I have to say is Arium as like the other way to do things. You know, when you put a character, you meet a character and then they're immediately put in danger. You don't really care, but this has been built up. So a lot, if she, something happens to her, it would be a big loss. It'd be a big loss to, I mean, obviously a huge loss to Pike. It would be a loss to us, the viewers. I mean, we've seen Battelle in various forms throughout the show. I mean, she was in the first episode of the show. She's like she, a, she's, I mean, yeah, she's, you know that second tier of cast member kind of right but right below right below the, the bridge crew but also in ad aspera in some ways she's sort of the bad the villain of the episode because she has to be the one prosecuting against yes. the characters that we love and when that episode came i thought to myself I actually, I, there were two things I thought to myself. I said, am I, am I going to, are we going to now hate this character because of this? But also, is this the end of her and Pike's relationship because of what she has to do? And I find it interesting that despite the, the fact that she had to do all of that, we still don't hate her. We like her just fine. Because it's it mm -hmm. reminded me of In Measure of a Man, if you recall In Measure of a Man, mm -hmm. Riker. Riker had to be the one, had to be the prosecuting one against them. And, yeah. But he was saying, and if you recall in the episode, he was saying like he didn't want to do it, but he had to. Yeah. A bit yes. of a different story. And even, yeah. And Battelle didn't want to prosecute her aggressively. Right. Right. But also the difference is that Riker was a cast member on the show, like a, a, a regular cast member. So you think to yourself... After Measure of Man, am I supposed to hate him now for the rest of the, for the remaining, you know, six seasons of this show because of what he did in this one episode? But Battelle, I mean, she could, in, in a lot of ways, any episode could be her last episode based on, you know, depending on what she does in that episode. Because yeah. and I like that it's about duty. They both, I think they both said it like, you know, for Riker, I think it was just because of his rank. He was the right. person who had to do it and it's duty. But I think it also. But I think what it also does, is it shows you how evolved humanity has become that the fact that like she has to do this, but Pike is willing to look beyond that and not 
cast any judgments on her because of that because he knows that that's something she that she has to do he knows that probably she doesn't want to do this but it's but she has to do it yes and that's also part of our justice system you know right. like you like don't hate the lawyer that defends the murderer because the whole point is you get the best defense you can and if you still are found guilty everyone can rest easy knowing that it's it's it was fair, I guess. Yeah. Totally. Um, a... okay. So one thing the episode did that sort of that reminded me of some of the some past Trek is specifically Star Trek Into Darkness, which is, I know, a film you've said you've not seen since the theaters, but yeah, that's wild. It comes up a lot. So the wreck of the of the um of of Battelle's ship, Spock has to go over there in the in the in the suit and just you know kind of navigate through the debris and everything like that. Echoed a moment in Star Trek Into Darkness. So as the USS Vengeance and the USS Enterprise are sort of engaged in you know fighting each other, they stop at one moment and Kirk Khan. And no, Kirk and Khan have to go over to the USS Vengeance, and they do so via spacesuits, just like that, and they're kind of like dodging debris. So I thought to myself, it's not mirroring the events exactly, but it's it's, it's reminding me a lot of that of of what they do in that movie, you know, mm. which I thought was kind of cool. The, the dodging debris was definitely the excess version. It was it was done to a lesser extent in this episode because it wasn't yeah. it, because. As you may recall, like in some of those movies and even in Discovery in some in some instances, they insert a action sequence really for no reason. Like they're adding drama to them, like using their spacesuits speeding toward the vengeance, dodging debris. And it's like, OK, but this is not like this is not relevant add- to the plot. This doesn't add anything to the to the to the storyline. It's just you're make, you're adding drama and like scary stuff for no reason. Just because you're like, OK, we're low on action sequences. Where can we find where can we stick another one? You know, um, exactly. but I liked how Spock and Chapel ended up finding each other. Like she's actually I think she's in sickbay, I believe. And she sees him, you know, kind of come by on the window. I thought that was done really well. And well, sickbay is destroyed. Remember, she was in some room. I, I thought it was sick. Bay. Yeah. yeah, but it's interesting because Spock was told sickbay was destroyed. But you can see he's tearing up. Right. So well, the thing was, the, uh, like, so it, all the troubles that um, Boimler, Boimler would have been very, very upset to see that. Well, you know what it was? I, this is what I think it was. They were, I mean, obviously it was just they were reusing the Enterprise sets that they had. And I think the room that she went into on that ship might have been the sickbay set on Enter- on the Enterprise. So I thought, I'm like, is she in sickbay? It looks like she's okay, in sickbay. Yeah, because, like, yeah, it's a moment where it's like, sickbay's gone. Yeah. But... It all culminated in that really cool bridge fight in Zero G, which I was actually kind of enjoying because it was so unlike anything we've seen in Trek before. Like, it's just, they're in the spacesuits. They're just moving very slowly. Like, it's not it's not very fast-paced. And I was actually, I actually thought it was kind of fun to watch that. Didn't go on for too long. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the key. I liked the kind of unique circumstances, right? Like, she has a phaser, it gets knocked out of her hand, she's trying to get it. And like 
she, but then she's like, but she's also has to deal with the issue that she's floating away. So she like kind of secures her foot on the railing and grabs it. Like all of these, you know, unique, again, the unique circumstances that come with fighting in a spacesuit in zero gravity, which I thought, and I thought it was a lot of fun. I really did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we get to the, um, the Scottish elephant in the room. Oh boy. <laughs> An elephant wearing a kilt. Bagpipes. So, I gotta tell you, when when he came around the corner, mm-hmm. before he even opened his mouth, <laughs> I said, that better not be Scotty. <laughs> and then, because he didn't really look like James Dewan, but there was just something about him, I thought. He does look Scottish. And I was like, I said, that's, and then of course it was, and I was just like, oh, for God's sakes. Because you know me and this whole like legacy obsession they have, and yeah. I'm just like, when oh, you hear him talk, you think, well, there's probably more than one Scottish engineer no I, I well no i mean i but i appreciate the fact that this scotty actually was scottish and it, it, it and the yeah. thing is it's this guy i forget this actor's name then you have simon Pegg in the in the abrams film yeah and then, you, and then you sort of realize like see and simon Pegg is not actually scottish but he can pull off a scottish accent right because he's from oh yeah at least he's a brit is he british or irish i forget i think he's british right well it depends on which ireland i think he's british, british too but what I hate to do this, and I'm I'm sorry, you know, original crew, but it really kind of shows you how James Dewan sounds nothing like a Scottish guy when he speaks. And I was like, wow, because he sounds like any idiot on the street impersonating a Scottish person. Because I, as weird as this might be to, to say, because I've watched Star Trek my whole life, that was my first time hearing a Scottish accent. So. I'm like, why does everybody sound so different from James? And it's like, no, it's James Doohan, who's not, who's just. I mean, kudos to Mr. Doohan. He's he's great. We love the original Scotty, but his accent sounds nothing like what the actual Scottish accents sound like. Right. Well, from, if it was an actual Scottish accent, I feel like no one would understand a word that they said. Right. Scots have quite an accent. And I just, I just got to make a side note. It's always weird to me that he's Scottish and his name is Scotty. I just, I, yeah, I, it's a little on, on the nose. Right. I mean, I'm sure it's definitely possible. I, I'm sure there's somebody in Scotland named Scott, but still, I just thought to myself, "That's so weird." Yeah, yeah. They really had to drive the point home. Yeah. So uh, I think, here's the thing: I didn't like that they used Scotty, but I liked Scotty. Yeah. I thought that. So one thing is, you know, you want to make sure, like, you don't want them to just use the character for no reason. And we know Scott, Mister Scott, is incredibly technically. Not only right. skilled, but he's kind of um, adventurous, you know. Like right. he'll 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 make it happen, and if, even if he has to do something unorthodox. And I think we got all that from this god, so I really like that. I think it just it goes back to my wishing the show would sort of calm down from wanting to get to the original series. We still have a little bit of time now. Is Scotty going to be? A regular next season, I have no idea. Okay, now a ship now, the ship was right. destroyed. Exactly, escaped. escape. Is he now going to serve? Because as we saw when he gets aboard the Enterprise, Pelia knows who he is, and I like that she was his instructor. I thought that was kind of a nice moment. But yes, is it? He, said he actually was a good student, unlike um, unlike uh, Una, who was not a good student. Right. Well, and also Hemmer was one of her students as well, which which I liked, and she said he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so 
which leads me to wonder like is he now going to be on the enterprise and like reporting to her right and right so he's a low rank he's low rank yeah like he's not going to be we'll see him as much as we see Kirk or George he's not going like if he stays right he's not going to replace her he's not going to be chief engineer he's going to be like a lower level engineer at least we could be thankful for that right so it could be that maybe he's there but he he's only recurring just as much as Pelia is I don't know my point is though I just I I don't I don't if there's one thing, if there's one negative thing I can say about the show this season is that it, it's just, it's, and I've said it so many times as we've done our episodes, I just need them to, to, it's becoming too concerned with wanting to get to the original series and not focusing on solely like this. No, this is Captain Pike's time. Like, I don't want the show to evolve and just being like, oh, it's the, it's the transition show between the cage and the original series. It's like, no, it's like, it has to be about Pike's crew. I don't, I, so. Yeah. I wish we had gotten this season was just about the established characters. Right. And then they could start doing this next season. I think now though, I've kind of accepted that this is what they're doing. And so this one didn't bother me that much. I just, I think I've let go of wishing that they wouldn't do it. Well, you know what it is too? It, it, because I'm, th- I, I said to you many times, even like before the show even premiered last year, I said, I suspect, I mean, we don't know how many seasons it was. We didn't know how many seasons then it was going to run. We don't know how many seasons it's going to run even now. But I remember saying many times, I said, you know, as we get, I, I would assume that the closer we get to the original series time, 22, 65, 66 time frame, it would make sense that maybe gradually we start seeing the original series crew come in, albeit in lower ranking positions. And we've certainly, and we've been getting that. Right, I just feel like it's too early for this. Right, it it seems like they have a like they want this show to be done after next season or something. Well, that's that's what I was wondering. Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, so are they doing this because are the shows day are the shows days numbered and we just don't know? Like, is last season is next season it? You know, how could that be? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the original series. There's only three. I, well, why would you want to do that? If the show's successful, keep it going. I, I, Not right. forever, but exactly. as long as you have things to do with it. Yeah. I, I mean, are they doing it like in case it gets unceremoniously canceled in the future and they've at least gotten this sort of stuff out of the way that they've wanted to get to? I have no idea. But it's – I just wish they would kind of as, – as I've said, the show that I would have preferred is the next, The Cage the next day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. I just, they can definitely do this, but it, to me, it just feels like it's too early for it. This is only episode 20. If this were in the old days, this would not even, imagine like, imagine if we're watching the first season of The Next Generation and about halfway in, they start introducing like, I don't know, like Deep Space Nine characters or whatever. And it's yeah. just like, wait, what? What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. And then like Deep Space Nine ends up replacing next generation so it's just yeah yeah i i think that with i guess here's the thing i don't as i've said i don't love kirk as the character or the actor right but i, I really like this guy so that's why i'm sort of more on board if they do want to bring him quote on board yeah 
Yeah. I mean, be better if he goes to Kirkship or something or the replacement for the That's church. what I mean. Like, I guess, like, in, I think in some ways, I don't mind seeing them. I just don't want them sticking around. Yes. And if they do put him on, say, Kirkship, then I don't want him to come with Kirk every time Kirk shows up on the Enterprise. Right. So, because, and I was thinking about when we saw, after I watched the episode, I was thinking about the time in The Next Generation when Scotty came aboard and he was sort of going through his history with Picard. And he says, uh, I served aboard, I think he said 11 ships and he says freighters, cruisers, starships. This is when they're on the holodeck on the Enterprise, of the original Enterprise on the holodeck. And he says, he says, but this is the only one that I think of, the only one that I miss. So it could just simply be that this may begin Scotty's love affair with the Enterprise, and then that's it. And then that's that. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't I don't want him sticking around. But yeah, who wouldn't love the Enterprise from the original crew? You know? Right. They're all but also not a seed that I really feel like needs to be planted because I already it's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Though speaking of though these characters that we don't want to see, but we we're going to see them all. There's no doubt about that. Right. So the interesting thing is that I think for maybe the first time George was useful because he his xenobiology. I guess he had to study human biology before right. he could study alien biology, and he 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 saw that they were using locust like swarming instinct. So he mm. helped them develop a plan, which was nice to see that they actually used them for something. Right. Yeah. I mean, George has been, in the times we did see him this season, he has served a kind of good purpose in the various scenes he's been in. So I have to at least give him credit for that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So now we've got the end. It's funny, I, my... My notes on the last three minutes are as long as like forty percent of my other notes. Yeah. So what happens is they manage to get the crew, or they manage to get some of them out of there, right? Mm-hmm. And well, so if you have a lot of notes, I mean, I'll, let me, I'll throw it over to you then. So. Okay. Well, so the plan seems like it's working. Yeah. They crashed the array. They can transport, and they transport up Pike and Scott and Battelle. Yep. Battelle is immediately taken to sick bay. Um, she says to Chapel, if it seems like I'm going to be a danger, take me out. Because she has the she has the eggs inside of her from the ground. Right, she has the eggs inside her and they know that that's going to spawn Gorn and obviously having Gorn in the ship is bad. Right. So they say they're going to put her in a containment contained area in sick bay. Um, so we don't know her fate yet. Right. Um, why don't you just beam the eggs out? I don't know. It seems like that would work fine. Mm. But that's just me. The transporter only um, works as it's needed. Yeah, that's true. It can it can help the plot along. And maybe it can also, yeah. And maybe the eggs are like attached to her vital organs or something. I mean, whatever. Yeah, whatever they want. Yeah. 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 So it seems like everything works. Great. It's like, all right, now beam the next set and they're not there. And then because a like a Gorn destroyer or big ass ship showed up. Mm-hmm. And they sense warp signatures where the crew was. So that means so the crew was warped aboard the Gorn ship. That, I mean, uh, beamed that, aboard the Gorn ship. That was, I thought, a really, in, like a really out of the blue 
thing to do. And I just, I was so, what, I mean, what a curveball, you know, they didn't, it's like, because they, then he gets an order almost simultaneously saying from Starfleet command saying, maintain your, our side of the border, yeah. do not cross it. And the ship is on the other side of the, the yeah. border. Now he's been, then they have their fighters that are attacking. So you've got Pike, they have their crew. He can't go after the ship, according to orders. He's being attacked by the Gorn fighters. Battelle is getting worse. Mm -hmm. And they're asking him, what do we do, Captain? And he freezes momentarily. Now, I don't think this was a huge freeze. I mean, you have to be superhuman to not take a minute to or seconds to, to determine what to do. But I understand this was a big moment because they're used to the captain kind of immediately having something to do. But yeah. he's got, you know, this. they say this is no, there's no such thing as a no-win scenario. Well, this is pretty close. It's not often in Trek that we see a captain unable to, like, freeze and be unable to make a decision like that. I can't, yes. I can't think of in over 800 episodes, and I may be, I may be wrong. I, I just, I can't think of a moment quite like this one where a cat where during a captain's indecisiveness there's so much additional stuff going on that he has that they have to take into consideration before they take them before they issue their next order because no matter what yeah. pike decides right usually it's if they're if they're they can't make a decision it's because of some ethical dilemma right and they have time to talk it over and say, "Oh, I don't know what to do." This was not. This was not like Best of Both Worlds Part One, where Riker, you know, it was not dramatic in that sense, right? It was, that was no, a different kind all. of drama, yeah. Or um, it's not like um, it's not like um, Janeway deciding should they ally themselves with some shady characters to stay alive, right? Right. Things like that. Like, here's the thing. Hmm. I but the, my problem with it was I, I wanted to know: Does Starfleet know? that the Gorn now have their crew because I feel like that Starfleet order, if I were him, I would have said, I would to notify Starfleet command that they have our, they beamed our crew aboard their ship and see if that changes the orders. Mm. Well, well, let me, I want to focus on that for one second because that was the part that was so shocking to me because you think to yourself, the Gorn could have just fired on them and destroyed them. But the fact that the Gorn decided to kidnap the entire crew just completely like blew my mind. I can't think of like, I can't think of a moment similar to that in the franchise in the past. Right. I guess it's like as bad as if you, if you think your crew is part of your crew is in danger of being assimilated. Right. Well, because, because yeah, you sort of do get assimilated when they put their eggs in you in a way. Well, because, and the thing is if the Gorn were to like have fired down on the surface and killed them all, then you could say that's kind of an act of war, but it's like, the Gorn may be using them, kidnapping them, and using them as a sort of negotiating ploy. Right. right. So, Although, if their past behavior is any uh, indication, they're going to eat the men and put eggs in the women. Possibly, yeah. Know. Right, right. So, I don't know. It, it was, it was, um, there was certainly a lot, there was a lot going, and I totally lost track of time as I was watching it. I didn't even, I wasn't even paying attention to what time it was. And I, there was a lot going on, like very much in that moment. So by the time the two B continued came up, I was just like, "Oh my god, like, fuck." Yeah, it was probably one of the great to be continued, right? Trekkies. Like I had to catch my breath when that came up. When that came up, 
Yes, yes. And uh, when I watched it the second time, I thought, like, okay, are we really going to, when it was coming up, I thought, all right, I'm really going to pay attention make sure I understand all the stakes here because mm. they're all, there's so much. And the one I didn't even think of the second time is the fact that Patel was getting significantly worse. When we see her in sickbay, her arm is even more kind of lizard eyes or whatever's happening. Right. So, and dude, it's going to be a long time before we see the conclusion to this. A long yeah. time. Yeah. 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 So, and I'm not about to say, you know, where does this, where would you rank this among the other Trek cliffhangers? But I just know it's real good. It was real good. It was really, really, I mean, I think, I think best of both worlds is obviously the gold standard, but it's also, I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that it's also the first one, right? Mm. Um, but this one, there was just, there was so much going on and so much, and like I said, so much rested rests on what Pike does or doesn't do in the next few seconds that it's just, you could theorize like, well, if he does this, then this happens over here. Or like, if he doesn't do this and that happens over there. So, yep. If he, yeah, he's already broken Starfleet orders in one way, but hmm. it's not as, but this is more direct. But I think I also was wondering about something too. So, we, we, going back to Scotty for one second and talking about the introduction of all these, reintroduction of all these legacy characters in the show, sort of treading, albeit I think too quickly, toward the original series, I thought to myself, are they. Within these last few seconds of the show, seeing how Pike is just very overwhelmed with all this stuff and whatnot, and and even maybe even drawing drawing into like how he how he was basically was this entire season, I'm thinking to myself, are they building Pike up to at some point next season maybe have a moment to say, you know what, I think Can't my I think my time is up. Like I think like. You know, I'm getting too I'm getting too old for this shit or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he questions himself and he can't do it. He has right. to go teach anatomy for a while or something. Are we approaching like are we reapproaching sort of how he felt in the cage when he was like we saw him in the cage when he was just really burned out and thought about leaving Starfleet, right? Mm-hmm. Or are we having a moment like that again? Stepping down so that Kirk can take over. Right. Planting now seeds. Right. Yeah. So I, I wondered if that, that's what they were doing. Like, is it, I'm not saying like, you know, by the time we get to next season, he's going to come to that decision. But is this, are they kind of putting those feelers out there where he think where at some point Pike's going to have that moment and say, you know, I think I'm, I just can't, I think I'm done with this. I think I'm done with this kind of thing. Yeah. It would be yeah. interesting to say, I guess it depends on how this turns out. I also want to ask you this, though. How do you think... There's a similar situation. This also reminds me of the Vulcan Hello, or when Burnham started the Klingon War, right? Okay. Oh, yes. How do you think this either compares... I mean, I know we haven't watched that episode in a long time, but, like, compares or contrasts. I mean, Burnham was very impulsive, I think, so maybe that could yeah. be the differentiating factor in there. But, you know what? I would love it if he doesn't violate the orders and he cites Michael Burnham's situation as why he doesn't do it. <laughs> that would be cool. 
It's like, no, I saw how I saw, or even just references, like I saw what happened. Spock, remember what your sister did? I saw how the I saw how the Klingon war started, and I can't be responsible for that or something. So it was a little something would be cool. Um, yeah. How does it compare? Yeah, I think it's sort of similar. Yeah, I think now that you know, let's say Battelle was one of the ones that was beamed to the board to the Borg <laughs> to the Gorn ship. Hmm. Even the letters are almost the same. There's three letters that are the same. I said that in, they the, are in the intro. The, they're all the same letters. They're just. Almost no. all the same, yeah. except for one. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, if then, I would say it was his personal feelings would be in the way. Yeah, that would. But, but I feel like if they, if she was kidnapped, though, I feel like that would kind of make it a little bit. It would add another level of interest to it. It'd make it a little it bit more interesting. I think we know yeah. exactly what he. Would yeah. Here's the thing that I originally thought was, I swear that we've seen this happen before. Mm. Now, you could probably tell me better, but haven't there been times when, definitely have been times, enemies have part of the crew and they they just, you know, hold back and figure it out? Uh, nothing is coming to mind, specifically, but... You've got our people. I guess you see Janeway. Something. I just can't. I can't think of a specific example, but yeah. What about that? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I think this has happened before, and they and they're pretty comfortable to step back and and you know come up with a plan. I think it's because I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of something on this on this scale. Right. I just mean any time that not like one. Have... Not like one or two people being kidnapped. You know. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's coming to mind, and albeit it's a parallel reality, but um, in Year of Hell. No, was it Year of Hell? What the fuck was that? There's a, there's a, yeah, I'm thinking of something in like, something where the crew escapes and escape pods and the and the enemies begin taking them. Oh, I know what it, it was. In, yeah, I know what it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't real. It was, um. It was from Voyager. It was the doctor was having hallucinations that the Kazon had um, fought. It was the episode Projections. And he, the crew from Voyager is gone. Neelix is still around. But he says to the doctor, like when the doctor says, where's the rest of the crew? And he said, oh, the, you know, the Kazon kidnapped them and warped away or something. And that's what I'm thinking of. But it wasn't a... Oh, it didn't really happen. It didn't really happen. That's, I said there's something like where the entire crew goes missing, but it's it's not a real... Yeah. Yeah. But I, I but think I, yeah. It definitely has happened on Voyager, but now that I think about it, they were never murderous enemies. Right. Like, I feel like that weird multi-dimensional people that had, like, an old west town or, a, or mid, like, a country planet. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they had crew members, but they also weren't killing it. They weren't known to murder people. I, I Like I said, I can't think of anything on... Because, like I said, I'm, tr I'm trying to think of something that's on the scale where the stakes are similar, but I can't... Nothing's coming to mind. Right now, mm. yeah. Well, anyway, I think like an option would be to, um, you know, just retreat a little bit and know that you're going to figure it out. So, right. But clearly, he's he's not thinking clearly. He's uh, he's been through a lot. But I think it's. I was into it. Like I said, there was a there was a there was a lot going on, and I think it was. 
I think it all came together really well in the end, and I'm kind of hanging on pins and needles on what they, on how they get out of this. Right now, this is grim. Yeah. We have to wait so long. It's oh, and the timing of it could not be worse, right? Even a year would have been painful, which is what it, roughly what it would have been without the strikes. Oh, dude, we're talking. I think at least like early 2025. I think because they hadn't even. I think in season for season three, they were about to go into production. I don't even think they. I don't even think they got to it yet. Yeah, and you know, if it were just actors, then they could at least be writing it or right. vice versa. I love unions. I mean, I'm in a union. I've been in other unions. So I don't begrudge it at all. It's just a bummer. Yeah. I wish to be the best. I hope they win. I mean, as as of this recording, I mean, the strike is still going on, yes? Yeah, and I don't see, there doesn't seem to be any sign that it's going to let up anytime soon. Yeah. Well, do you, do you have any odds and ends like you always tend to have? I think I might have worked them all in. Let's see. No, I got everything. I got every bit of my notes in. All right. So now that season two is wrapped up, we used to, in the old days, dedicate an entire episode to a season. But I think that worked better when it was a serialized story. So we were able to sort of analyze the entire story in one episode. But because this is episodic, I don't think we need to spend too much time on analyzing how good the season was. I certainly have things to say about it, which I will. But before I do that, we wanted to try something out. So we have 10 episodes each season and I wanted to see what my favorite one was, what your favorite one was, what my least favorite one was and what your least favorite one was. But I wanted to see before we actually announced it, I wanted to try to guess. I wanted to try to guess what each of our respective favorites and least favorites were. So, yeah. So. Well, I would like to guess your favorite first. Go right ahead. I would say your favorite is Ad Astra per Aspera. No. That's okay. my second favorite. You want to nice. try again? Um, hmm. I mean, I think those old scientists is like the, that's the easy pick. But you don't think so. But I don't think that's it. Because I don't think, I think that's too easy. Right. I don't think you'd be so confident that I wouldn't guess it. Because I think you would have expected, I would have guessed. Ash I was expecting, I was actually expecting you would have guessed those old scientists. Okay. Mm. But Ad Astra um, was two. Second charades. Time. Charades. <laughs> charades. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's kind of my fault. So I'm giving you, I, I said to you before, and like, I think, I think you think you know what it is. Yeah. And that's sort of a little, it was charades. Um, so that way, yeah, I didn't pick. I, I really, really enjoyed that episode way more than I expected to. I loved the idea behind it. I loved the silliness of it, but I also loved the seriousness of it as well. Um, I just thought it was an all-around really fun episode, and I think it would have been just as effective had they done it on the original series. But I lo- what I I think what I loved about it most was that it was when that episode was coming, and I was I remember reading the description of it the week before we the week beforehand. You had said like, oh, it sounds like it's like one of those sitcom episodes where the boss comes to dinner and you have to. And for some reason that just I just really like it was a farce. And I sort of like took to that because I really like when TV shows do that, particularly sitcoms, of course. And mm-hmm. I thought they pulled it off really, really well. And like any episode of Stranger Worlds, it's not done. Something like that is not done 
just for the silliness of it or for the uniqueness of it or for the outside of the box feeling thinking of it there's actually like an there's a story in there that actually means something and is very usually a very good story so charades ended up being my favorite ad astra was my second favorite Nice. Okay. Yeah. You want to try to guess my favorite? Now, let me just say one thing, though. You got to take those old scientists off the board because I feel like that's half a lower deck show and half a Stranger Worlds show. So okay. I think it's unfair. It's unfair comparison. So if you take that off the board, yep. what do you think my favorite is? I think it's, also, it's easy. I think it's Subspace Rhapsody. Interesting. No. It's at Aspera per Aspera. Oh, see, okay. I I I really thought it was gonna be Substance Rhapsody. I thought I, I had the same thing. I thought maybe at Aspera, if not, would have like me been your second favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was gonna be Substance Rhapsody, but okay. But you know what? It is such a close second, it's practically tied. I'm gonna that's, give it to you. I'm that's give it. You the, well, the thing is and I don't, and I'm not trying to say Ad Asper wasn't good. I mean, obviously it's my second favorite and that it seems like, and also it seems like the obvious choice because it's such a critical, it's like a perfect Star Trek episode all around. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to say I'm tied, but you know what? My, what, what, okay. So let's say it was, tied a, for it was first a tough decision for me. Yeah. Let me just tell you this though. Here, why don't you guess my second, if I'm tied for first with Subspace Rhapsody and um, at Aspera, what do you think my second is? Among the Lotus Eaters. Yes, nicely done. Because mm-hmm. you know I like that because it's so original series. Well, that, right? it's also not. And by the way, I wasn't doing it sort of like as a process of elimination, right? Because uh, I remember you actually really liking and being fairly enthusiastic about that about that episode. Um, I was yeah. kind of, it was, and it felt a little, um, I was sort of unexpected for me that you liked it so much. Cause even when we were, even when we were doing that episode, I think I was, I was kind of like, Hmm, like I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I felt it was very kind of like, I didn't think it was great, but it also, it was very sort of middle of the road kind of, I would say, mm-hmm. but sort of more to sort of toward the top. It was one of the, it was like a, it was like a, real, like I could see the original series, not doing the exact episode, but doing the thing where they go and they lose their memory and they're working with alongside the people. Right. That felt right. so stark. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Least favorite. Can you guess For my you? least favorite? Yes. I feel I like this so. might be easy. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yes, yes, and yes. Okay. Can you guess my least favorite? Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow? Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I that wasn't that's not difficult. I mean, I think it's not that it was horrible. It's it wasn't. just that it it wasn't. It was my least favorite. I mean, I'd rather see more of the crew. It was. I like Lon a lot. Hmm. I don't love Kirk, but it was just. Well, and as we have said, I mean, I would even I would even go as far as to say in two seasons that might be the weakest episode of the series so far. But yes. it had the least impact on anything. It had the least impact on anything. Exactly, and but again, I I I restress. It wasn't a bad episode. It was just I just thought we just thought it was a little bit weaker than the others. But what did we say yeah, at it one was point? So outside of everything else that was happening, right? Like it could have been done. No. It could have been done at any time, right? 
Here's the thing, though. I like what it did for Laon's character more than I like the episode. Right. I think the fact that like Kirk was there, we were just like, why that sort of that that some points against it. Yes. Yeah. But I liked how that led to the whole her telling Kirk how she feels, and then us finding out about mm. little David. Well, but that's the thing. Like you say, it's not really tied to anything, but it sort of began that relationship between the two of them that continued over the next couple of seasons, which ultimately, well, it didn't go anywhere. Didn't go anywhere, right? I mean, but All again, she told them, "Hey, I like you," and he was like, "Oh, sorry, I'm with somebody." It established a thread that they sort of followed through with, even though it wasn't the same Kirk, right? But yeah. but you're right. Ultimately, also, it didn't. She yeah. reevaluates herself, and is she too kind of like? Um, proper and um, mm. professional that she need to loosen up a little well, bit. That's it. And so, and I don't even, and, and as we talk about it, I don't even know if it was supposed to go anywhere, right? Because I think it was more supposed to be about on herself and sort of figuring out who she was and does she want to do this and does she want to do that? It was really meant to be taking that character, I think, a little bit further and analyzing her a little bit deeper. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that relation, even though it didn't go anywhere, I don't think it, but I don't think it was supposed to go anywhere. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's why I said, I like, what it did to her mm. less than I like watching it start. Well, so, but that and, makes you know, actually, though, it's not just when episodes are separate. Like the one where seven of nine is in a very similar situation. I yeah. really like that episode. Right. Yeah. But also that worked in the whole crew. So I think that's why it was better. So, well, let me ask you this then. What, where is subspace Rhapsody on your list? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to rank the entire season. Oh, it's so but... tied for first. Well, that's tied for first. Okay. Yeah, it was second, but it was so close. I said tied for first. I think going back for a second to tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, I think I don't remember what we said exactly, but didn't we said something like this show at its weakest is still miles ahead of, you know, another show at its best. Let's just say, yeah. 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 So um but this see, I think this season, what I what I truly appreciate about this season, I mean, is it I don't know that I can really say is it better or worse than last season? Because I feel like when you have an episode like Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which we find the weakest, but then you have an episode like Ad Astra per Aspera, which is so good. It almost like is able to make up for how the weakness of that episode in some ways. Cause it's just it's so it's such a good episode. And just a classic Trek episode. I appreciate the season a lot because of the different things they tried, the big swings they tried. I mean, the the lower decks crossover. The I would even say charades was kind of a big swing too, and obviously subspace rhapsody being the biggest one of them all. The show demonstrates that they are not afraid to just try all these different ideas, and I think that's where the show is to me. Like that's in a way what Strange New Worlds is. It's a show that is willing to try all of these different concepts and see and just see what works and what doesn't work. Right? That's what I want. That's what I want Strange New Worlds to continue to be. To just make do all of these crazy have all these crazy ideas. And just I agree. I think that's why this season was so good because they were more confident, established, and then they were able to try out these different things. If anything, when you compare this to the first one, seemed to play a little safer. Right. The first right. season. Right. So I think it's been, but yeah, it's hard to say what's better. But also, 
But even I'm going to I was doing a lot of reading online about the show and this season, even around the subspace Rhapsody time, like it was sort of like in that sort of three week period between those old scientists under the cloak of war and subspace Rhapsody. Subspace Rhapsody, of course, was and I think it was announced around it was announced during Comic-Con. And I think those old scientists was released early because of Comic-Con, but reading fan comments reading different articles online and then also looking at how the show is performing this season the show has been very very popular this season i'd seen that it was in the nielsen top 10 streaming programs three times yeah i got a lot of attention yeah and and by the way the nielsen top 10 streaming programs they measure that several weeks back so where we are right now, they're not done measuring the show yet. So that could so that still that it can still it, it can still appear there a couple of times. Yeah. So that was really more about the first few episodes. Though. Right. Right. Exactly. I so I don't even think we're caught up to like those old scientists or Subspace Rhapsody's time yet, as far as them measuring the metrics of the show. Right. But I think it really becomes crystal clear when you see all of that, when you see the popularity of it. I mean. I think it's really become not only I think it's not only become like Trek's new flagship show, but I think it's also become like the flagship show in some ways for Paramount Plus itself. I mean, it's the only Paramount Plus show to show up in the Nielsen top 10 like that. None of the other ones have. That's the only one mm-hmm. that has. And it makes sense. too. So, I mean. And I get really excited when a Star Trek show does that well. I mean, what? I'll just put it out there. I mean, what, what do you. How do you feel about the show and like the sort of enduring popularity it had this season? I mean, is it what do you think of all of that? I think it's huge. I think that, you know, it's been a while, probably since Next Gen was at its height, right? That Star Trek was as Star Trek TV anyway was right. doing so well. Right. I feel like Discovery was always was sort of a niche thing. It never really made waves outside of people that were looking for Trek. Right. I think so it was very Trek should be make make Trek mainstream again. That's uh should be just should be a slogan. Well, I'd also read something really quickly about um somebody who works on the show. I think he's one of the five thousand producers that they have, who had been saying that you know, Strange New Worlds should run a lot of years. And they should also do more episodes per season. Like not like twenty or something a season, but like they could do like fifteen a season like it shouldn't just be 10 episodes because they, they really i forget this person's name mm-hmm. but they really feel like like this season really really clicked and they felt like there's a th- this show could have a really long life yeah but below it's strange but like you said it seems like they're trying to rush it to the end right the, the, right so that's the, that's that's the other part of it yeah but i hope that producer gets his as, her way as a Star Trek fan, though, it's just very gratifying and just makes me very happy to see a show, a Star Trek show like this, do very well and be very popular. But also, I've known some people who have gotten into who are not Trek fans by any stretch, and they really enjoy the show. It's I would say it's it's I would say it's one it's maybe the most access, accessible show in the current slew of Trek shows to non-fans. 
you know, maybe maybe you could say Discovery because like, you know, we come at Discovery as like as Trek fans saying like, well, this is wrong with it. That's wrong with it. So we come at it with sort of like certain ideas in mind. Maybe somebody could get into Discovery and just like it for what it is. Right. I think it's just it's too convoluted and messy. Yeah. Even just on a show level. Right. Just a, even if it wasn't Star Trek. I would say with Discovery, like if somebody has never seen Trek and they and Discovery is their entry point. Imagine how they'll feel when they see that if it inspires them to watch other Trek shows, how much better those other Trek shows right, are. Right. Right. But remember, at one time, Next Generation was the one that got so many people into Star Trek. So It's true. It's true. I mean... I, I think it's not... I would say it's probably not something I would say, yeah, just watch Next Generation to someone that's never watched any Star Trek. I definitely got that same feeling, though, with this season. Like, the popularity of Strange New World felt not unlike Star Trek The Next Generation in its heyday, at its peak popularity. Something about that feels very similar here. So, um, We can hope. We can hope. This is the new uh, Trekassance. But I think what's also, the last thing I'll say, I think what's also gratifying about it is that, because you and I remember very well, when this show was even announced. I mean, I was obviously very enthusiastic about it, but if you think about where we were, it was like, oh, I don't know. Are they going to be able to... Is it going to be like another disco or something like that, right? The fact Mm -hmm. that not only did they pull it off, but they surpassed our expectations, and it really became... has It's grown into become the most popular and most in-demand Trek show that's that's out today. So it just makes me very happy to see all that. Me too. I, it's great. It's, it really is. It's like they finally, and you know, obviously we love Lower Decks. It's just that that's a little niche. It's niche. It's like that's for us. That's not going to go mainstream. Like that's very that's that's the show for us, right? <laughs> but Strange New Worlds, like it's just in a way, like it you know it embraces the Trek lore, but also it's not hand holding either because if you haven't seen it, it's okay. Because they do a very good job explaining it all as if it's the first time we're seeing all of this. So they're able to have it both ways and they do it very well. Yes. And yes. I am thrilled at the um, state of Trek right now. What I'm not thrilled about is how long we're going to have to wait to see the show again. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and of course, I support our writers, our actors. I obviously, yes, totally. They deserve everything that they can. You know they deserve every, they deserve everything for their hard work, but it's going to be a long time mm-hmm. until we see it again. But until then, though, we have an upcoming season of Lower Decks, which premieres on September seventh. So we've got a couple of weeks, and then we will have season five, the final season of Discovery, sometime in twenty twenty four. So there's certainly there's more Trek coming that was done before the. Right strike. And I think Prodigy season two is coming in there someplace. So even though we maybe have to wait a long time until season three of Strange New Worlds, there will be some Trek to watch in the meantime. That's a good point. Yeah. We're just going to be missing our favorite one. Yes. Yeah. But that's going to do it for us for, for a couple of weeks until uh, the return of Lower Decks, like I said, on September 7th. All right. Yeah, the day before it. Star Trek Day. Which I don't even know if they're doing anything for that. I haven't heard anything. But it's tough when they don't have any actors or writers to do they anything. They probably can't. That's the thing. They probably can't do anything. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because they had a Trek convention in Vegas and mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and the actors couldn't even talk about Trek on the stage. Even the ones that, oh yeah, I guess only people like haven't been in it in years, right? Yeah. Like even, even the legacy actors couldn't talk about it. So like, I mean, I'm sure Shatner was like thrilled. Shatner was like, I was going to talk about horses anyway. <laughs> This is great. You said you went to a con in Cambridge, right? And that's all he did? Yeah, he talked about his horses the whole time. He did not talk about Star Trek until people... He did not talk about Star Trek, I swear to you, until people asked questions. He talked about his horses. And then, of course, like when I'm sure he gets asked a question about Trek, it's kind of an unsatisfactory answer. Some okay answers. Yeah. Yeah, he gets some okay answers. But it's like, you're at, a, you're at a Star Trek convention, Bill. What do you yeah, expect? Yeah, yeah. That was kind of like... Honestly, that's a little... I mean, I get it. For him, it's like he probably does it like a hundred times a year or something crazy. Yeah, but you're getting so, paid I mean, for it. He's getting money for it. The person who, some kid could have been their first Star Trek convention. It was my, actually my first Star Trek convention, but mm-hmm. I was not a kid. Yeah. But I didn't, it, yeah, it made me have an even lower opinion of Shatter. <laughs> yeah. I can understand that, but I mean, I just, I sort of look at it this way. I mean, I don't know if the money is a big deal to him, but it's like, Bill, you could earn a couple grand if you just tell the same stories over and over again. What the fuck's wrong with that? Well, because he probably said, well, I earn the same amount if I talk about horses. <laughs> True, but nobody nobody gives a shit about that. Yeah. I mean, maybe some do. But, but I still get paid. But go to a horse convention, Bill. Talk about it there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go to the dressage convention. Yeah. Uh, but God bless him. I mean, the guy's 92 years old. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, with that said, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks to discuss season four of Star Trek Lower Decks. <laughs> Stay safe out there. Peace out, everybody. Peace out.